want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast, where we have conversations about Christ and all the scriptures for every Christian uh, and how to make that clear. And so we're going to talk now about the end of the book of Judges. Uh, there's a lot going on there at the end of Judges, and uh, so we're going to try to make sense of it all, certainly show how it points to, to Jesus, and then how uh, we would apply that to our lives for our own sanctification. So, Jeff, you do such a fantastic job. Oh, we have with me again Jeff Hay, pastor in Ireland, uh, John Aiken. Uh, pastor, author, uh, Christian educator. Uh, there's lots of things I could say about him. Also, Dallas Cowboy fan, which is a sad thing to be right now. Um, Very sad. So uh, we're going to jump into the end of Judges. And Jeff, you do a great job with the summary. Um, and so jump in. Give us the summary of 19 through 21. Yeah, so this is the final section uh, of Judges, a long narrative. So I will summarize it uh, in, a, in a short way. Uh, we are kicking off with, we've just had sort of depressing stuff in chapter 17 and 18 where they were making up their own religion, uh, supposedly worshiping God, but going against them. Now in, in chapter 19, it's just as big a mess as you can get, mm -hmm. 19 to 21. This really is, uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to watch this mm -hmm. on TV. Uh, and it's shocking, I think, when I preached this, I think I, I was looking around to see if many other people had, and I couldn't find it too much, uh, but it's right. still God's word. Uh, so, well, how the narrative of the story goes, we have this Levite, and he has a concubine, so she belonged to him, but not his wife, uh, and yet she leaves him, goes back home to her father. Now, but four months, it's actually four months later, uh, the man uh, goes to get her. Now, if he really cared, uh, he probably wouldn't have waited that long. But he goes off because he wants his property back, unfortunately. That's women were not treated as well as we'll see in this narrative. Uh, and he comes to the father of the concubine and actually he's shown great hospitality. Uh, and he's there for a good while. Uh, but then he wants to leave and eventually does to, to go back. Uh, but he doesn't want to go through Jerusalem because it was at that time uh, the Canaanites were uncontrolled there. So he wanted a safe route. So he decides to go through Gibeah, part of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, but they don't offer him hospitality, the people there. So he's out waiting and an old man takes him in. And so he is in Israelite territory here. And I think this is the shock of this uh, narrative. Because as he's there and he's in with this man's house, men from the city come out. And we've mm -hmm. heard echoes of this before, back in Genesis 19, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, because what actually happens is they come out and they demand to have sex with this Levite man. Uh, but they, the house owner says, no, no, and offers his daughter and the Levite concubine uh, for them to, to, to have and do what they want. 
And so actually what happens, they, they throw out, the concubine's thrown out, and the people of Gibeah abuse her. It's terrible. And she's left dead. And she's left lying dead, reaching her arms out to the threshold. Uh, and what happens is the Levite sees her and is shocked. Uh, but he then does a shocking thing. He chops her up into 12 parts and sends her to the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, wanting to let the whole of Israel know uh, what the people of Gibeah have done. I don't think it was out of love for this woman uh, because of what happens but it, and what had happened earlier, uh, but just because of what he had lost. It's a, it's a shocking story. It's similar, as I say, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's abusive. It's outrageous. And what is shocking is that it's from the tribe of Benjamin. Israel are mm. in many ways worse than any of the Canaanites. And that's chapter 19. And it just shows the, the depths of sin. So then chapter 20, just to briefly summarize this chapter, well, all of Israel have heard of what has happened after what the man has done and, and posting, sending the body parts around. And so they decide to unite together and they listen to the Levite recount the story who conveniently makes himself out to be pretty innocent. Uh, failing to mention that he handed her over. And so they summon all together and they ask uh, for the wicked men of Gibeah to be dealt with, for the evil to be purged, I think it says in verse uh, 13 of chapter 20. But the Benjaminites, they, they actually don't want to do that. They, they actually back up their own people, which they should have realized that justice should have been done for uh, this wicked uh, group. But blood was sicker than God's laws to them at that side. So they sided with their mm. own family rather than let the wicked men face judgment. And then basically what happens in chapter 20 ends out to be quickly in a, in a full-blown civil war. Israel is, mm. have, are, are united, and, but against a tragedy. What's so sad is they're united together against Benjamin, one of their own brothers, one of the tribes. And that's what makes it so sad. Uh, and if the Benjamites had allowed the evildoers to be punished, a lot of lives could be saved. But civil war broke, breaks out, and there's really three major attacks. It's a strange one in verses 18 to 48, uh, because Israel recruits uh, a bunch of people from a number of the, the tribes. And the first, I think, 26,000 swordsmen go up against Benjamin, who actually have an elite fighting group. Uh, super slingers of, with left-handed men, uh, which came across earlier in, in Judges, who could sling a stone at a hair and not miss, is what it says. And so they went up, but 22,000 Israelites died. And so they got up another time, but the Benjamites once again really win and kill 18,000 Israelites. But then there's a bigger, deeper repentance from Israel, and they fast and inquire of Phineas, the high priest, and the Lord says, you're going to win the battle. And so then the third time they go up and with some clever tactics of drawing, drawing them out, they strike down the Benjaminites. Uh, oh, 600 escape. Uh, so more, the Israelites also destroy the towns and cities and everything. And it's tragic in one sense. A whole tribe is almost wiped out, but uh, mm -hmm. not these 600. Well, what's going on here? Well, 
Uh, it says actually in verse 35, even through all this, that the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel. Uh, and that was the army. So it does look as if God is bringing justice against uh, wickedness that is going on. But then we, we flow into chapter 21, just to the narrative. So after this first tragedy in chapter 19 of how the woman was treated and then the civil war breaking out, then we have a very unusual thing because the men of Israel, it says in chapter 21, verse 1, uh, it says, had taken an oath that not one of uh, the men will give his daughter in marriage to a Benjaminite. So there's this unusual sort of story. They had taken a vow, probably in the heat of a moment, and then they realize, hold on here, a whole tribe could perhaps vanish and die out, is what it says, mm. because there's only 600 men left, and they made a vow that we're not allowing them to marry any of our women, uh, so they possibly could just die out. So what are they going to do? And, and they come up with a solution which... It's, it's chaotic, it, it's, it's daft, I would say. Uh, but what they realize is that there was a city of Jabesh Gilead that didn't turn up in the assembly. They didn't, uh, weren't involved in the, in the war and they hadn't made the vow, uh, the oath to not give their daughters in marriage to the Benjamites. And so they decide, okay, a crazy solution, but let's, let's go and kill the people of Jabesh Gilead apart from virgin girls and what's left they've got 400 virgin girls and they think these 400 can then can be given to the benjaminites by the way when you think about that it's shocking your family's killed if you're one of those girls and then you're kidnapped and and this is apparently israel's solution to the problem i have no idea how they're paired off but it just shows how the women were treated as second-rate citizens then it's just chaos and yet there's still a problem. Numerically, <laughs> four hundred don't doesn't divide into six hundred. There's six hundred men mm. left over. There's only four hundred virgins. So they come up with another solution. There's going to be a festival at Shiloh. We're told, and they say to the remaining Benjamite men, "You go hide in the vineyards, watch, and when you see a girl dancing, you seize her, kidnap her, take her for yourself, and then that means you know what? We haven't broken our." our oath, our vow, because we weren't the one that gave you the daughters, you've just kidnapped them yourself. A wonderful solution. It's, it's absolutely outrageous. And that is actually what the Benjaminites did. They kidnapped the unsuspecting girls, took them away, and the book ends in verse 25. <laughs> in those days, Israel, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This is disaster from beginning to end. Absolutely shocking. Kidnapping, mm. wickedness, fighting, abuse, people being victimized. Everybody is doing what they saw fit, but the tragedy is it's happening in Israel amongst their own people. Mm. John, what would you add there? I, I mean, the only thing I would add is just, I mean, Jeff, I think, did a great job of just encapsulating how disorienting this is. Um, it, it, it's, it's amazing to me, yes, the solutions that they come up with are just mind-boggling. It's kind of like, you know, this whole, I mean, I'm not trying to get too political, but the whole, like, Inflation Reduction Act that was just passed is like, you're not going to yeah. solve the problem. 
and it's like an increased inflation. So it's like th this, th you know, what happened was that you had a, an assembly that gathered, you, you had an assembly that gathered to do justice for one rape woman that comes up with a solution on the kidnapping and rape of hundreds of women. Mm -hmm. mm. And it's like, this is a good, this is the solution. And it just shows you how awful Israel is at this point. I mean, as, as Jeff pointed out, th this narrative, the sequencing and the terminology mirrors Sodom and Gomorrah. And so basically what we're, yeah. what we're being shown is Israel has become Sodom and Gomorrah. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's where we're at at the end of the book of Judges. And so the whole the sequencing of you can't stay in the square. Um, and then the men banging on the door of the house, send them out so we can whatever. And then the rape and just, it's just, um, mm. Mm. I mean, it, it's one of the, if not the darkest periods in the history of the, of the nation mm -hmm. of Israel. Yeah. And we obviously often say that total depravity doesn't mean that you're as wicked as you can be, but, but we do get a picture here of how just how deep depravity can actually go. Yeah. Um, when we when we're talking about sin and just the fallen nature of man, so let's talk then about Jeff. We'll start with you. I mean, issues from the text. Obviously, John talking using language of disorienting. the The severity of their sin is disorienting. But what are some other things just that are issues that most scholars try to un, unravel for um, for people? Well, I think you just have to address the the wickedness here, and it's. Uh, when you're teaching it, it's 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 shocking, and you know it is horrendous. And so I think you know if we're thinking about preaching it and teaching it, it's it's the the tone that we have to address that in is is very important in this section because I'm sure there's difficulties, uh, but it's it's just you're dealing with really outrageous stuff here and there could be people who've been through outrageous stuff in your congregation mm -hmm. uh, and that's just something to bear in mind john yeah i mean i don't know of any specific textual issues other than just again it painting it's painting a picture as jeff said of just how bad things have gotten um two i think it it, it helps us um you know it helps us understand what what a life of like overturning the ethics that God has given us in scripture looks like. And so mm. uh, and we'll talk more about that in application, but um, th th those who want to, those who want to see Christianity as, as um, you know, a religion or a worldview that doesn't treat women with respect or um, you know, whatever they can point to, places like this but it's this is a this is a distortion this is not obviously the bible is not holding this up as something that um is the ideal this is this is what it looks like to subvert god's design for humanity mm -hmm. and um any place where the church falls short of god's design in terms of the imago day and and how we treat each other um we should be the first to say, hey, that does not reflect 
the plan of God, and we need to we need to we need to reject it. Well, I do want you guys to address this along the way, but maybe it's it is the perfect kind of stepping stone to the the Christ centered nature of Judges nineteen to twenty one. How do you preach this, keeping the severity of the tone and the severity of what's going on in the sin, but also give hope to people uh, and and obviously have it be instructive? And so, John, maybe jump into the Christ-centered nature of, Je- of Judges nineteen to twenty-one. Yeah. So, so, so one thing I would say, Jeff mentioned this of, of like looking. I think you said you mentioned um, looking at certain people who don't deal with this passage or who didn't preach this passage or whatever. And so, one is do not avoid this passage. Um, you need to teach it. You need, and, and to me, it's it, I I hit it straight on. I'm just like I didn't spare any of the details. Um, I, I ex- explained exactly what was happening, and it was just like, hey, you need to be aware of this. And then and then I tried to point to, and we'll get to this ap- application, but point to where, in terms of severity, it may not look like that among us, but there are ways that we're doing the same kinds of things that they're doing. And, um, and so that's why we need Jesus. And so the, the biggest issue for me is I, I, and I can't remember who this is, um, original to. And so, and so I apologize for lack of citation, but, uh, the book of judges is, is not a book. We, we get to the end of the book and it looks like we should lose hope. We should not lose hope. Uh, the book of judges shows us the mercy of God, and it points us to the salvation of God in Jesus Christ. It's not a book of despair. As one scholar said, it is a tract, it is a gospel tract showing us the need for a Savior King. Mm. And the answer to the brokenness and despair of judges is Ruth. It's the son of David. It's it's that uh, in the days you know, Judges one one in uh, in Ruth one one in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. And then you get to the end of the book of Judges, and it so mm-hmm. Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception. She bore a son. Uh, then the women said to Naomi, "Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel." He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. Um, he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And so the answer is the son of David. And um and that God has, a, in the midst of all this brokenness and this chaos, uh, God has an answer. And it's, it's David and it's his lineage. And then to, to borrow from what Jeff said in the last um, podcast, and, and, I, and this is the, the language we, we see in the New Testament, that we have a king priest in Jesus, you know, who brings hope in the darkness. And that uh, he doesn't sacrifice his bride to save himself like we have here. He sacrifices himself to save his bride. And so ultimately, mm. I, so I just end with this, ultimately the darkest chapter in the Bible is not the end of Judges. It's, it's when Jesus takes Judges 19 through 21 on himself at the mm-hmm. cross and overturns the curse of sin. Um, and so he's a king who um, not only rescues us from our enemies, but can lead us to be all that God wants us to be, that they can lead us to do what's right in God's eyes. 
And so that's, that's how I think these chapters point to Christ. Amen. Jeff? I took exactly that route. I mean, the narrative, chapter 19, verse 1, talks about there being no king. The last verse of that narrative talks about there being no king. And it's looking forward to, yes, King David, uh, who was looking forward to the greater king, King Jesus, because uh, actually even Jerusalem's even mentioned in this narrative, a king mm-hmm. who will actually conquer Jebus, uh, the Canaanite town, uh, and then King David will call it Jerusalem, which is later mm-hmm. mentioned. So it is, the narrative is pointing to the David who from the book of Ruth, uh, and the greater King Jesus, who actually is the only solution to this messed up broken world. Because uh, mm. that's what this passage is saying. This world is a mess, a complete mess. Humanity in and of ourselves, left to our own ways, are devastating and, and, and just suffering and, and cause pain. And yet Jesus is the only solution who actually took the suffering, took the pain, took the abuse, took the torture, went through the humiliation, uh, who cried out on the cross. He took upon himself the sins of abusers, rapists, Mm. if they will bow the knee and submit to King Jesus. So it is a messy, messy book, but it actually then highlights the love and, and wonder of King Jesus, who became the guilty one so that complete forgiveness is available, complete cleansing, new clothes. So there is a there is hope. Uh and and I think that, yeah, the the book ends looking to that yeah. hope. And and I think too, just to add to that point, again it's 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 helpful to remember that these appendices happen earlier in the book. And so that mm-hmm. God is continuing to raise up judges and is mercifully saving his people despite incredible sin on their part. I mean, he, mm. he raises up Benjaminites like Ehud. Um, and so it's just, so, so when people criticize Christ in her preaching as jumping too quickly to Jesus, I just want to point out in, in the book of Judges, it is highlighting the mercy of God, the grace of God in raising up saviors for people who do not deserve it. And that ultimately culminates in Jesus, obviously. Um, mm. And so I think, so I think the, I, I just, I, I think people do a disservice to their people if they preach judges and only preach despair because there is so much hope that is given despite our sinfulness. Mm. Well, let's wrap up judges, Jeff, how did you kind of apply this? And then John, uh, these last few chapters, I mean, I've already hit on some of it along the way, but how did you kind of make application? Well, I did highlight that we, we live in a broken, hurting world, uh, where abuse, where horrible things happen and, and yet highlighted that God doesn't approve, uh, and will bring justice. Uh, but yeah, how the depths of sin leads to consequences, uh, and that can happen in our day and age, and we don't even realize it. People, if they're addicted to pornography, that feeds into trafficking of women and things like this, which you could go mm-hmm. is similar to how women are being treated in this passage. Uh, and we need to realize that sin and sin has consequences. Uh, 
they have failed to listen to the voice of the God. I mean, another application, I think it has been mentioned. This is this is early. Uh, Phineas is mentioned, who is the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron. Uh, so mm-hmm. again, you're only cup, a couple of generations after Joshua and look at the consequences for failing to listen to the Lord. So because mm-hmm. of ignoring God, the misery that leads to it is, is clear. And yet also, mm-hmm. you know, there's hope in that God will bring justice. God is bringing justice uh, even on the people of Israel, bringing it on the Benjamites uh, who have done wrong. Uh, and so God will bring justice and he will do that in the end. So you can look forward mm. to the end as well. Uh, but highlighting how sin is consequences, how, but also being sympathetic to people who are hurting and broken. And if they need help, it was interesting. I remember preaching on this and the way I did apply it, there were, one or two people that came up to me afterwards who were victims of sexual abuse. Mm. Uh, And so it just, uh, and they found it really helpful and beneficial and comforting. And so when I was kind of half scared to preach this passage, there were uh, things that were revealed then afterwards and and, and help could be sought uh, with that that would never have done and only for dealing with hard passages that talk about abuse and hurt and being a victim and yet God doesn't approve and he cares and his son Jesus uh, has taken it uh, and offers ultimately the hope so Mm. so yeah in applying it just be sensitive to that uh, uh, but don't hide away from it uh, either Mm. because I think it was really of all the sermons and in, in judges, the 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 probably the hardest section, uh, had probably more helpful feedback than than all the other ones. Ones I thought I might have nailed, like Samson, but uh, nobody comes and says anything to me. But uh, <laughs> this horrible passage, people are mm. coming up and going, "Oh, thanks and thanks for preaching then." Amen. Amen, John. So, so one, I just affirm what Jeff said. I think. <laughs> I think this is where expository preaching and, and so forth is so not only helpful, but needed because it's, it's one of those things where like so many Christian families who avoid the topics of sex and so forth with their kids, it's like, then you must not be reading the Bible together because this comes up all the time. And, and, and we really do need to address these things. If we don't, then, then somebody else is going to, and it's not going to be from a biblical worldview. And, and so, um, but I'll, I'll just say this real quick. So just a couple of things in terms of application, because I, I actually preached this message twice in the last couple of years, and I did it differently both times. And so in, in the one, I continued this kind of idea of like living life on our own terms. And so just real quick, when we live life on our own terms, we'll practice sexual immorality. And so just talked about, again, what Jeff talked about, rejecting God's design for for sex within marriage and then all the ways that that plays out in this story. And then all the ways that plays out with us from, you know, fooling around with your boyfriend, girlfriend, to pornography, to cohabitation, to um, homosexuality, to adultery, and those kind of things. And that we buy the lie that sinful sex is better than sex God's way. We need to repent of that. We need to submit to a king who loves us and who has given us these good gifts and so forth. And then when we live life on our own terms, we'll participate in dehumanization. And so... 
treating others as less than human. We see this concubine is treated as property. She's raped. She's murdered. She's kidnapped. Um, and so I just talk about one at one level pornography. One of the things that I think people need to know, especially men in our congregation who are addicted to porn, is that they're participating in human trafficking, even if they don't know it, because so much of the porn industry is is based on those kinds of things. And so you're participating in dehumanization when you watch porn or when you then you try to act out those pornified fantasies on your spouse. Um, or you, again, another level, when you demonize people who don't agree with you, you're participating in dehumanization. And so, um, you know, we just need to be a part of that. And then we need to be aware of that. And then when you live life on your own terms, you're going to approve of those who do evil. And so I talk about, I just talk about the tribe of Benjamin protecting the people who did this. Um, and how this is, this may look like it's a problem in the world, but it's a problem for us. Like we tend to give our buddies a pass rather than calling our buddies to repentance and, and doing church discipline and, th- and those kinds of things. And so it's just, we, we need to, I listen to, um, I, and I would commend this to everybody. Uh, D.A. Carson did a sermon on uh, Joseph refusing the advances of Potiphar's wife at uh, Forest Hills Church. You can YouTube. You can just hit, you know, D.A. Carson Forest Hills. No, not Forest Hills. It's Champion Forest. Um, and he just talks about how, like, one of the ways that we begin to drift into sin is by we we just stop calling it sin. So we just start calling it something other than sin. Like Joseph, when he refuses to have sex with Potiphar's wife, he says, I, I, I cannot do this wicked thing and sin before God. And so we just need to be able to call it what it is and not, and not, you know, redefine it. And then when the last time I preached this, I did 17 through 21 together. And so I'll just mention this briefly. I just talked about um, the world that we live in right now and how we, so we all, if you think about the chaos and the brokenness at the end of Judges, we're all experiencing that at some level right now in the world that we live in and in the post COVID and, and so forth world. And so I just talked about, and so I, I may get in some controversy or upset some people here, but just like one thing the right and the left agree on is that the world's in trouble. And so there's protests, mass shootings, racial tension, mistrust of cops, gender confusion, all these different things. And like everybody agrees there's a problem. They don't agree on the solutions. Um, but we all kind of are living in this. So I just think this is a perfect picture of the world. Like, uh, we see sexual sin in this pat in this passage. We see sexual sin in our culture, adultery, pornography, divorce, LGBT stuff, gender confusion, women being objectified, abortion. We see racial division, um, tension with cops, political division, immigration issues, cancel culture, all of this stuff. And so for me, like when I'm thinking about the nation of Israel, it's like, apply this to the church, that so often we in the church right now are doing what's right in our own eyes, and we're becoming like the culture. And we're becoming mm-hmm. like the culture in two ways, I think. And so I'm just, so I preach this as application. We're either capitulating to the behavior of the culture, or we're copying the methods of the culture. And so I see a lot of churches that are compromising and capitulating to the behavior, whether it be sexual ethics, pornography, divorce culture, accepting of 
gay marriage, embarrassed by conservative theology, all, all of these different things, or we're copying their methods and just in a different way. So we have as much infighting in the church as the world does. We're as cancel divided culture. as the world does. We're, we do cancel culture the way the world does. We boycott like the world does. Um, and so I, I just talk about like, like Israel, we become what we worship. And so political power, acceptance of sin, pleasure culture, all those different things. But I don't lose hope because Judges shows us how merciful God is and it points us to Jesus and what he's done for us. And so we need the rule of Jesus. Uh, we need the saving rule of Jesus. We, we can't win the culture by canceling it or capitulating to it. Uh, we need grace and truth. We need love and righteousness. We need mercy and holiness. We need to be able to call balls and strikes. Um, we need to be able to say abortion is murder, but there's grace for those who have committed that sin. Um, we need to be able to say that racism, whether it's created by pe- you know, people or policy, is wrong, but it's not Marxist you know, to point those things out. Um, and not every negative interaction between white people and people of color is racism. Not, uh, it's not white supremacy to say that cops on the whole should be supported. It's, uh, it's not bigoted to say marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, but we need to be able to say the gospel is enough for all of us who have deviated from that. And so it's not cancel each other with listening, engage each other with the gospel. And so uh, those, those are kind of a lot of things I tried to tackle here. Good stuff. Any final words, guys? That's a great book. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. And, and guys, thank you so much for sharing what you guys have, have learned in your studies with others. Just as a word of announcement, we will go from here and the next season of Christ Centered and Clear podcast will be on wisdom literature uh, there'll be, as we talked about a couple episodes ago, will be a book coming out. That'll be a, a book that John had put together on Proverbs. Um, there'll be a conference, Lord willing, December 5th in Dallas, Texas, at the First Baptist Church of Irving. And so lots of stuff going on here in the next, I guess, the in the fall on wisdom literature when it comes to christ Center and Clear. So I hope that it'll be beneficial to so be checking those things out. I make plans to be a part of the podcast and if you can, the conference and 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 check out the book. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you for listening to the uh, Chrysler and Clear podcast. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.